Talk. I'm Alex Lewis. This week we speak to Matthew Lian. Matthew is a world music singer, songwriter, and producer. His primary lyrical and musical focus is on environmental and cultural themes. But for his upcoming album, he's using binaural sound. I'll let Matthew explain what binaural sound is. And if you want to hear what binaural sound sounds like, check out Matthew's YouTube video on the subject. Without further ado, let's listen in on the conversation I had with Matthew in a cafe in Taipei. <laughs> Uh, so tell me uh, about binaural sound. This is like your new uh, project or like the new technology that you're that's inspiring you, right? Well, I'll teach you some Latin first. Um, okay. So binaural is is two words. So bin like binary simply means two, and aural comes from the Latin word r, which means ears. So the word binaural, two ears. Is technically a reference to our human system of hearing, and binaural sound has been around for decades. I mean, I think even maybe the fifties, sixties for sure. Really? Yeah, it's an old format, and um, somebody got the idea that hey, what would happen if I created a microphone that looks like a human head with anatomically accurate ears,、mm-hmm. and put the microphone in the ears where the where your eardrums would be, right?、Mm. So.、Uh, If I record sound this way and then listen to it with headphones, I should have the experience of almost like an audio periscope. Like wherever that head was, if I feed that discrete audio, the left, the left microphone to your left ear, your brain should receive the sound as though it had、um, it had been its your head had been in that environment. So, if you listen to typical、uh, stereo music or sound on headphones, you'll notice. If you pay attention to what you're hearing, things sound like they're in your head or right up against your ears.、Mm-hmm. Binaural sound that's that's recorded with this type of, of human head-shaped microphone has the quality of seeming to be outside of your head, and sometimes can really freak you out. Like if a if a, if the recording of a door opens suddenly or something's dropped on the floor, if your brain believes it could be happening in your environment, it, you look behind you, you look、yeah. above or below, and it's it's more than 360 sound. It's really spherical. Because、yeah. there's altitude as well, and so it's、mm-hmm. it's a really fun format. I was interested in this from my earliest days of getting involved in music production back in the late '80s. My、uh, my engineer, who I still work with, had graduated from UCSD in San Diego,、mm-hmm. and he'd been part of this、uh, this unusual department at the university, which focused on really experimental sound. You know, Philip Glass and. Some really wacky cats were coming out of that place, and、yeah. and so binaural was a thing, and he'd built his own binaural microphone and played for me some stuff way back then, and I was really into it because I was always into expanding the sound field for stereo music production, like Q Sound, RSS, and these stereo expansion things that would make your stereo speakers sound like 5.1. The problem was headphones were a niche market. You know, in the day, nobody、mm-hmm. listened on headphones. Well. Today, according to the Audio Engineering Society, which is the world's largest standards-setting society for audio,、uh, the AES has a statistic that 85% of people are now on headphones. So that means that the tables have turned. Like it was probably 85% on hi-fi speakers back in the day, but now it's、um, it's the other way around. So everyone's on headphones, and that caused me to start pursuing binaural recording as 
an interesting format for my own music and sound production. All right, very interesting. You have a very uh, very good uh, YouTube video on this on your on your YouTube channel, Matthew Lien, right? Yeah, if you search uh, for Matthew with two T's, Lien, L-I-E-N, and then the, the words audio reality, um, that will introduce you to one of the areas that I've been pursuing which has never been explored, and that is... Uh, Binaural, you know, you could transplant the word binaural with 3D sound. So let's say 3D reverb. And reverb is the acoustic echo of a space, like say a church or a washroom or right. this room. If, I, if you clap your hands and there's any residual sound decaying after that, that's reverb. And all music, typically most music that we produce in the studio, when we record layers of instruments one on top of the other, we then uh, do various processes to each track, um, each layer of music. So drums will get some processing, the vocal will get some processing. One of the things we do uh, before we mix that into the final uh, stereo format is we apply reverb. So we put each instrument and element into its own uh, sort of space. So drums, you know, like, like Pink Floyd, when they hear those toms, you know, they've got this, this bigger space going on, whereas the vocal, maybe what we say is dry, a very, very small space around the vocal, so it seems more intimate. And we can push things, you know, around in the mix, push things back, pull things forward, based on the kind of reverb we apply. But reverb is not, has not been a binaural thing. Um, and that has limited binaural as a format for music production. So, you know, Nirvana and, uh, and uh, Chad Blake, a number of people have pursued binaural as a format in mainstream music production, but this is a serious limitation that you can't apply reverb to a, a binaural layer in a mix because typical reverb being non-binaural collapses that 3D sound field. Right. So what I thought was, is there a way that I can go into a space and broadcast a kind of a test tone, a sweep tone, which broadcasts every frequency into that space and record it using binaural technology and then use software to extrapolate the recording from the original test tone, basically to, to pull out the difference between yeah. the two and then apply that as a kind of acoustic fingerprint yeah. over any sound I record. It's kind of like 3D uh, acoustic mapping. That's a very good way. Yeah, I think I'll steal that. That's yeah, yeah. It's 3D acoustic mapping. And so the, the, the goal is to be able to record something in a controlled environment like the recording studio where there is not a lot of reverb because you want to control how much you add to that later mm -hmm. and then apply that three-dimensional space to the sound you've recorded and to each element in a mix. Yeah. So basically, if I record a guitar in binaural, it can sound amazing, and the guy's right, sounds like he's right in front of you, to the left, you can almost reach out and touch him. Mm. But what if I want to put him in the Taj Mahal? Or what if I want to put her in the, the Sistine Chapel? Right. So that's something that we need to be able to control if we're going to layer up elements in a binaural mix. Mm. And that is something I've successfully cracked. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. In, in in your video, you're traveling to a lot of different places and like doing the acoustic mapping in a lot of different places. So, can you tell me actually a few of the places that you've been to that uh, were really impressive in terms of just maybe just the you know how they look or like how how it sounded in there and uh, where you where might you go next? Well, yeah. There's. I'll, I'll tell you about two places in particular, um, and they're on either end of of the uh, sort of acoustic extremes of the acoustic spectrum. Uh, one of them is called St. Martin's, uh, which is in Canterbury, and it's behind the Canterbury Cathedral. 
This is a, a pretty cool place because it's the oldest Christian church in the English-speaking world. And I'm not, you know, an, an avid uh, religious enthusiast, but it's a very, very historic place. I mean, this place, this this little chapel was created when King Ethelbert, who was not Christian, uh, he was a pagan, and his wife was Christian. So there were no Christians in England at the time. Mm-hmm. And so she... Uh, with his approval, apparently, uh, she was able to create this little chapel, and it's still standing today. Mm-hmm. And so, just to be in these in, in, in such a such a historic place, and and to document the acoustic character of a place that's had so much history in it, yeah. really makes you appreciate, you know, what's going on. Because we usually go to these places for for the visual element. You know, we like to see these historic places. But what about the acoustic quality? And to be able to then put on headphones and you can simulate, I can record myself or record anything, and then virtually put it into that acoustic space. This conversation, you could put it into that space. Absolutely, we could do that. And then if you had headphones on, you would hear the sound of being in that acoustic space as if you were there. So that's, uh, for the historic aspect, that that was pretty cool. Another um, place, and and the reason I say extremes of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. that's a small chapel and it's stony walls. And so it's a very short decay time the, the the reverb time is quite short it's only about maybe three seconds so it's like a bah, and that's it okay so another place is called the marble hall and this is uh, saint florian's basilica uh which is in in austria in Lin, uh, linz austria so this is this is um a marble hall that was built for festivities mainly uh by the Habsburgers, the wealthy folk of the day. And this hall has a reverb time of maybe eight or nine seconds. So it's like, bah! It's this endless decay. Mm-hmm. And it's glorious. I mean, from an acoustic side, you know, it's like you're in there and it just sounds incredible and it's all encompassing. So to have permission, again, to go into this marble hall, which is, is really a beautiful beautiful place the whole the whole St. Florian Basilica is remarkable and to be in there uh, and have access to the acoustics so to speak and document that that's been one of my um, go-to acoustic files for let's say solo piano because what, what's really interesting when I was in there um, every time I go into a space if you check out that video you'll see me playing a flute in the space recording it with an actual binaural microphone so you can hear it then you'll see me in my living room with my piano and a flute, and that's when you hear the simulation, and they're identical. And that's a kind of a test I do to make sure uh, I'm achieving what I want. And so if you were really in that place and you wanted to record a, a music performance, and I have friends that, that uh, have attempted to perform in there, it's impossible to get a good recording in there because if anything happens, a chair is moved or something outside even happens, a, a, a car drives by. Whatever sound pollution occurs, even a small one, it's magnified by the that reverberance. It just goes on. A chair squeaking or a cough goes on for eight seconds. Yeah. And so you, you almost really cannot get a good quality recording, even though it's such a glorious acoustic space. So you've kind of brought a studio recording into these places, uh, or into these like very... Yeah, very sought after spaces. Yeah, so what I'm able to do now is recreate, like, what if, you know, I could record something there. So I'm able to actually create a recording that would sound exactly as though it had happened in there, but it's created in a controlled environment because my 
these impulse responses, these acoustic fingerprint files, are clean. And so we can then create an absolutely clean uh, simulation, which sounds really fantastic. And I just went back there and recorded... This, this basilica has a, a, a choir that's quite famous. And I recorded their leading countertenor. A countertenor is a, a male who sings very high like a soprano. And that's, you hear that often in, in certain genres of classical music. And so I recorded him recently in a studio in Austria. And then, just for fun, I sent him the, the, the simulation of him singing in the marble hall of the basilica where he you know, belongs to, more or less. And so for the first time, he can hear himself singing in the marble hall, yet in a pristine you know, yeah, simulation right. of it. Yeah. yeah, that is so cool. So you're going to use this for your next album? Yeah, so this, this reverb aspect is only one aspect. The other um, things that I've been pursuing is how to record instruments in the studio using this human head binaural microphone. Uh, one of the trickier instruments are drums. Uh, if, you, if you listen, see basically the human head, the binaural microphone is, is, let's just say it's your head. Now if you have a drummer sitting in the room playing his drum kit, it sounds raunchy. You know, nobody likes to hear drums smashing away in a room. That's why when we record them, we record them with multiple microphones, and then we separate out the kick, snare, toms, cymbals, yeah. and we process them all differently in order to tighten it up, clean it up. And uh, that really has to happen in order to make drums sound punchy and, and dramatic. They just don't sound, they sound sloppy and messy if you just hear a drum kit in a room. Right. So how to record a drummer you know, in the studio with a binaural microphone, which is essentially just using your head. And what to approach that and solve that challenge, we had to break up the drum performance into three passes. The first pass is kick snare only. And the second pass are toms. And the third pass are cymbals. So if you can imagine the drummer, he's playing along, he's got his groove, his foot's kicking and his hand's hitting the snare. But every time he wants to play a fill on the toms, he plays nothing. Yeah. But he still has to keep kicking. And same thing, if there's a cymbal crash, he can't hit it. Or if he's riding a cymbal, you know, it's ting, 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 ting. Yeah. He can't do that. He has to do nothing with that hand. And then we'll do that in the next pass. So the next pass, he has to remember where all these holes are. And when it comes along, he has got to fill it, fill that tom fill. Because we need to reposition the microphone for the toms, reposition them for the cymbals, because each of those are going to need different types of processing, different types of reverb also. Yeah. And... Uh, we didn't even know if this was going to work, but the result is absolutely awesome. It sounds great. So two songs have been produced already, and we're now looking at, at uh, completing the album. So this is the first time an album has ever been produced using this format, and a lot of the research I've done has been published by the Audio Engineering Society, which in my world is like if you're a, a medical researcher having... The journal Science, you know, publish your research. It's a big deal, and it, yeah. it's a kind of a stamp of approval that what you're doing is genuinely yeah. new, innovative, and important. Yeah, and um, I'm really excited about it. It validates it. It validates it, and and the thing that's driving me, you know, life in Taiwan has been the impetus for me pursuing these technologies, and there's two things that have driven me about living here. One of them is the noise level. You know, Taipei especially is it's just a noisy place. It's very rare to be to be experiencing silence to where your ears are ringing. 
even in my experience going to recording studios here, it's hard to find a studio that doesn't have some background noise, whether it's the air conditioning system or the, the road outside rumbling away out there or something. And that is, to me, frustrating because if you go in, if you imagine you go into a, a church with some beautiful acoustic echo, the reason that's so beautiful is because it has the potential of silence. If you hear an instrument playing in there, that echo will will dissolve into silence, and that's the drama. If you go into a typical church here, which is almost always on a busy street, there's this constant roar of traffic outside, you just won't notice or appreciate the acoustic quality, and you wouldn't really go there for a musical evening event necessarily because there's this constant rumble of traffic outside and the point is that eliminates the potential for silence and so silence really is imperative in order for us to perceive an acoustic space as being dramatic it's the potential for no sound it's interesting yeah it's almost a uh you know an opposite the other thing that that uh, has driven me to pursue this is riding the MRT here and the subway and looking at people uh, on headphones. Everybody's on earphones, right? So they're all sitting there and they all look pretty, you know, heavily burdened by life. I mean, you know, Taiwanese have a, a lot of pressure. Like in any city, there's a lot of pressure, daily pressure. And so they're in the MRT. They got these earphones on. And as someone who appreciates natural sound, I know that our ears have developed this ability to be sensitive to sound and locate external sound over millions of years of evolution. Yet earphones deprive our brain of external location. So in the human hearing setup, we have the brain processes sound in, in two stages, and it's linear. The first stage is, where is the sound? And the second stage is, what is the sound? It's a kind of a survival thing. If you hear a rattling sound behind your, your ankle, uh, you'll jump before you know that that was just a... a pod of seeds that you had kicked, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Before you know that it's benign, you'll react. Right. You, your brain will say, that is in a dangerous, vulnerable place. You better respond. I don't care what it is. Right. Now, when we listen to sound on typical music on headphones, your brain gives up immediately on where the sound is. So it says, all right, well, that, that singer's voice is simply in the middle of my head because I don't know where it is. Right. So you know what it is, but you don't know where it is, other than a very narrow stereo field. Well, what we're doing by by subscribing to the headphone format in this way is we're dumbing down the auditory faculty. We are asking our brain to just give up on millions of years of evolution. I mean, it's amazing that we can hear things the way we do and be able to filter out you know, my voice in the midst of Lu traffic. You know, you can, you can still p- pick out what you want to hear and hear it and your brain disregards so much else. Right. So when I watch these people, back to the subway, when I watch these people riding, listening on headphones, I imagine, what if I could uh, restore the spatial sound field to these people sitting here? So after your stressed out day at work, and you're on your way to your stressed out life at home, you've got this time on the subway, you're listening to music, what if I could restore that spatial quality? So at least when you're listening to music, your brain has the relief of feeling like the sounds you're hearing are outside of your head and around you. When you listen to binaural music the way I'm producing it, it's the difference between the music being in your head or your head being in the music. 
and I find when you listen to to the music being around your head as versus inside your head, it's much less claustrophobic and a lot more um, enjoyable, natural. Yeah. Very cool. So when uh, can we expect this album to drop? Well, that's a good question, and I'm glad you asked. Um, I don't really know. I, I keep pushing back my... I feel like a, uh, you know, an online gaming developer. I keep pushing back my delivery date. The, um, the goal right now has been May, uh, but there's still a lot of development in the works. We are... I am and my engineer in California... We're now playing with a whole new area, and I've just received some funding from uh, a university research group in Canada. I mean, I've had I've had support from the um, from the Canadian Research Council for this this technology, and, and a lot of innovative and te- technological funding to try to improve on this and, and research and develop it. And one thing we're exploring now are what are called early reflections. That is the immediate short range echo of sound bouncing off the walls right next to you because those those grand what we call late reflections in the Sistine Chapel and the Taj Mahal and the Marble Hall these these big late eight second reverbs they don't actually they, they sound like they're above and around you and outside of your head the way I'm recording them but they don't enhance your brain's immediate ability to know where the sound is we're only recording the instrument in a controlled space so what we get at the time of recording the instrument in the studio is what your brain will use to know where that sound is. But if I wanted to enhance where that saxophone is, if I wanted to make him or her sound like the sax is even further away or really, really clearly you know, above your right shoulder, um, how can I further enhance that? And so now we're playing with early reflections. So I'm recording small rooms with brick walls and different surfaces and recording these data sets of early reflection impulse responses in order to use those in the studio. So the next songs will will also have those combinations of things okay. involved in. Yeah. So you're just constantly improving or developing the technology. Yeah. Or the understanding of it. Yeah, exactly. And and testing it. And and it's an expensive process because a lot of this involves access to some pretty impressive places. It involves a, a portable recording gear which is costly but it also involves really good studios to do the the testing the funny thing and the really weird thing is when you're producing in the studio using this technique typically we use an arsenal of microphones um, you know 20 or 30 mics depending on what we're doing and uh, for this project we're using this one stereo microphone made by Neumann it's an $8,000 US mic it's a really high end mic but it sounds fantastic but it's the only mic we use and when we're mixing in the studio we never take headphones off and listen to the speakers because it's a it's a do or die project for headphones only and it's it's almost unintuitive but I'm really committed to making one album this way compatible only with headphones and uh, yeah that is very interesting Uh, so have you been anywhere in Taiwan uh, and like recorded the uh, preparations or recorded like the uh, the, the acoustic mapping of that? Actually, yeah. The, the first, uh, when I was first testing this, we really didn't know if when you capture the acoustic fingerprint in this, what's called an impulse response file, is it really binaural? Can I then send any sound into it and will it really sound out of head, the space aspect? And so the first place uh, I went to was Holy Family, which is a Catholic church right next to Don Park here. And uh, they were just really, really... I've been there a couple of times, and they've been very uh, 
you know, open-armed and, and welcoming me into their, their church. And I'm really grateful for that. And that church, even though there's traffic outside, at, in, in the, at midnight, it's not that bad. And the church is built in this huge T shape. The altar is at the apex of the T. So you've got this really great, beautiful directional decay, which is also important. If you're, if you're in a space like that, where the sound dies out last is directional. And so if I can capture that, it helps, once again, it helps to enhance um, your sense that this echo, this decay is beyond my head, beyond my ears. So my first testing was done in there, and that went really well. I haven't done a lot of other uh, space, you know, acoustic space recording here because it's hard to find really good acoustic environments here. Uh, we don't have a lot of cathedrals in Taiwan that have that character. Um, but I have recorded a lot of sound. Um, I was hosting a, a television program for uh, indigenous TV here, and uh, that had me going all around Taiwan. I mean, to super remote places, and so I was dragging this big human head microphone everywhere, and was recording everything from, from of course, Aboriginal you know performance to uh, trains going by, which you know sound awesome on headphones, scares the heck out of you, and this yeah. you hear it coming, and then wham. Clack, 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 and it sounds like it's right in front of you because right. it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's almost the experience of getting hit by a train mm-hmm. sonically. Yeah, and uh, yes, yeah, so I've done a lot of uh, cultural and nature recording here already, and I've been implementing these sounds into my last couple of albums to see. You know, do people notice? And uh, if you know Wang Xinying, um, Cindy, Cindy Wang, mm-hmm. she had an album Love or Not uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, she asked me to produce four vignettes. So. If you, I'm sure you can find it on your whatever your streaming platform is, or you guys have it at ICRT. There's four vignettes in there which feature Cindy and then my binaural sound design, all produced in this 3D sound. So one of them, for example, is uh, Backstage Pass, it's called. And it's her backstage, and then there's a knock at the door, and she's, she's kind of practicing, warming up, and a knock at the door, and then you hear her walking past the photographers, and then the doors blow open. We recorded that at the wall, and she was actually having a little concert there, so we had the audience there to respond and recorded them and then I recorded another much larger venue for the the massive applause and uh, so that's it's a really cool thing like from her point of view mm-hmm. to be backstage and then walking into a huge you know arena for your concert uh, and it's all in 3D sound so that was a lot of fun working with Cindy on that yeah, yeah. alright uh, is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't touched on uh, no I think that's uh, that's about it but I, I think that it is um it's interesting how we're all heading, like, you know, the, pre- the prevalence of headphones and earphone listening is is really uh, significant. And I would just encourage people that are in the music production area to be aware of this trend and, um, and never stop, you know, pursuing, pioneering, you know, new areas. When I first started getting into binaural recording, I had no idea it would lead here. And now I have uh, the support of people like Chad Blake. He is uh, Peter Gabriel's engineer Husky Huskos, Nora Jones, The Wallflowers, Cheryl Crow. Uh, the engineers and producers involved in all these people are are behind what I'm doing. And so if I hadn't kind of taken off on this obscure uh, journey you yeah. know, to adventure into a new frontier of sound development, I wouldn't have the relations and the, and the support that I have now. So I, I just think that we, we should never take the easy way out. Get out of the easy chair with whatever you're doing and push the envelope, push yourself. You know, we are 
we are the creation of a universe that does nothing else other than create. And therefore we have the universe's creative potential in our DNA. And that's what we're, I believe, born to do, is to create. So everybody just get out there and create. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been a pleasure and a privilege producing and hosting Taiwan Talk. This will be my last episode. I hope you continue to listen to the podcast and to ICRT, a radio station populated with wonderful people. That's it for this week's Taiwan Talk. I'm Alex Lewis. Thank you.